The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. PFTOT Wednesday edition, a show that we tape right after we finish PFT Live. We get right back to it because there are things that we didn't get to or things we'd like to talk more about. One thing we didn't get to... Raiders running back Isaiah Crowell, according to Adam Schefter of ESPN, tore his Achilles tendon at a team workout on Tuesday. And Chris, it's funny, I started PFT Live on the radio hour, you know, the hour that you never do, by saying, hey, there'll be news coming out of the next six weeks because we know guys get injured during these offseason workouts. And there it is, Crowell done for the year with a torn Achilles tendon. I guess that's good news for Josh Jacobs, who's going to get even more reps sooner as the presumed starter for the Raiders in the backfield, but they lose some of their depth, and they're going to have to go pivot now and find somebody else who can come in and do what they thought Crowell was going to do in 2019. Yeah, well, I think you make the first thing, you make a good point that, you know, nobody's out of the woods yet as far as, like, the NFL offseason. It's just starting some of the dirty work as far as players on the field, aggressive workouts, OTAs, of course, some of the mini camps. Uh, there's a lot of non-contact injuries that go on in this time of the year. A shame for Isaiah Crowell. That's a brutal injury for somebody at, you know, his point of his career going into year seven. Uh, maybe it's year six. I might be wrong. Uh, but at the running back position, <clears throat> and a Achilles tear. That is that is brutal. Now, will they go anywhere else? I think the people that are going to benefit from this are guys on their roster already. DeAndre Washington, Jalen Richard. Certainly, they're going to be fighting for a spot or who gets carries. And the other guy, Mike, who was kind of awesome. Don't forget about him last year in the preseason, and they stashed him away on the practice squad, was Chris Warren, uh, a kid from the University of Texas who showed a lot of promise last year as far as, far as being that big power, uh, almost Marshin, Marshawn Lynch-like running back. Uh, he was awesome in the preseason. I think he will be the guy that maybe they lean on a little bit more now that Isaiah Crowell won't be ready. Well, and and you mentioned Marshawn. I mean, he's done, and the Raiders have moved on when they drafted Josh Jacobs. But I I don't think that – I mean, Marshawn Lynch at this point is not going to say yes to whatever the Raiders would have budgeted for him because that's the problem. They're going to have a low amount available for somebody who would come in and essentially be number two on the depth chart. So before I get myself all caught up in the possibility of one more year for Marshawn Lynch with the Raiders, that ain't happening. But, you know, it's sad that it happens. It's good for Crowell. He's going to get his full pay this year. That's one of the benefits of working out with the team. You know, hey, voluntary workouts, you don't have to be there. But if you tear an Achilles on your own, running around on the beach somewhere, they don't have to pay you. No, they don't. You get injured in the facility, you are covered. It's it's one hell of an insurance policy. And that's one thing guys should think about. If they're going to work out anyway, maybe you work out with the team. Because if you get that freak injury, you are going to be taken care of. Daniel Jones is going to be taken care of over the next four years, maybe five. Top six pick means big money. And Daniel Jones said on Sirius XM NFL Radio on Tuesday, he's not paying much attention to any of the criticism. And there is plenty of criticism. And Chris, look, Dave Gettleman, the Giants GM, made it clear he wants somebody who can handle the mental load of playing in New York. And Jones is getting an advanced look 
at what it's going to be like. And it's, it's never going to be any easier than standing out in the middle of the field getting booed. So maybe this toughens him up, thickens his skin, he's ready to go, and he's able to ignore the criticism that's inevitable, regardless of where he's picked. He's going to be criticized if he doesn't play well. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you got to be able to deal with that, especially as the quarterback of an NFL franchise. you got to have thick skin. you got to be able to block out outside noise. Uh, and that holds true anywhere you play, but especially in New York. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the media presence in the locker room on a daily basis it's bigger in New York, you know, as we've seen, you know, with apples to apples type situations between Odell Beckham Jr. and Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown could do things far worse and far more egregious than Odell Beckham Jr., but yet Odell Beckham Jr.'s story gets a lot more attention because it was in New York. That's certainly part of it. So you do need to be mentally strong. Good for Daniel Jones, okay? He shouldn't pay attention to what everybody's saying. It doesn't matter what people like you or me or anybody else thinks about him at the end of the day. He needs to go out, put his best foot forward, show that he's capable of learning the playbook, and kind of just prove everybody wrong that way. The, oh, the criticism has been over the top, and I almost feel a little bit guilty about it myself because I know I was— You should. Of, I know. No, I was one of the first people to say he's not a first-round quarterback, and I and I do still believe that. I'm not backing down from that, but I also have been a lo- or in this business long enough to be able to take emotions out of the out of my you know evaluations or anything else like that. To where I go, yeah, I think the criticism is a little over the top right now, and I think the conversation's a whole lot different if he's drafted at 17 or maybe the top of the second round, but instead at six, it's being overanalyzed and over scrutinized. And uh, I do feel somewhat bad for the wrath that he's had to deal with. Give me an idea of what processes through your body, your brain, your heart, your your just every aspect of your being. When you throw that interception and you're in that crucible with 70,000 people and they are booing you, what, what is that like? Right. Well, yeah, it's, that's a, I, I, I bring this example up a lot because, yeah, you can't embarrass me in public. I tell people this all the time. They're like, wow, I didn't even embarrass you with that joke or what you said. I was like, well, once you throw an interception in front of 70,000, <laughs> kind of a high bar from there. It's, it's hard <laughs> to kind of beat that one. There's, there is not a worse feeling in the world after throwing an interception in a football game, especially if the drive's going well or something like that, or you feel like you got momentum and you just feel like every set of eyeballs in the stadium's on you, let alone you know your coach wants to strangle you and you got teammates who are walking off the side to the sidelines with you going, oh, that idiot, I can't believe he threw another interception or they're saying something underneath their breath. So uh, it is a tough moment for a quarterback and it takes a special ability to get over that moment and move on and move on to the next play as you've heard and all those kind of phrases uh throughout throughout your time covering the sport too that makes it even harder for me to fathom that you rejected the thousand dollar offer to take off your shirt the day that we had the pete carroll taken off his shirt because if you can't be embarrassed take off your shirt not that i want you to now i'm just saying you could have made a thousand dollars the other day and i'm glad i hadn't thought of that or i never would have offered a thousand dollars i'm amazed you didn't take that easy money i'm disappointed i didn't do it either i really am it's just too damn cold here in studio six that was the number one thing i'm freezing right now my damn hands i feel like are turning blue so well get ready i'll be up there in a couple weeks for a couple of days and i put it on 61 as soon as i walk in the door at uh, i put as low as it'll go thank you at 6 a.m All right, uh, Bruce Allen, the president in Washington, and Dave Gettleman, the GM of the Giants, a little bit of a back-and-forth may be starting. And I like the fact that the Giants and Washington each have rookie quarterbacks. We're going to be 
paying close attention to how they develop. And there's this storyline that Dave Gettleman put out there about the, his fear because he knew for a fact that two teams between 6 and 17, the two spots where the Giants had first-round picks, two teams were going to take Daniel Jones if the Giants didn't take him at number 6. I don't believe it. I've never believed it. I think that he's masking the reality, which is he was afraid someone was going to leapfrog them at number 16 and take Daniel Jones because they let everyone know they wanted Daniel Jones. It's their own fault they had to take him at number six. But if you say that, then you do get run out of town. But Bruce Allen appearing on NFL Network responded by basically saying he doesn't know what our draft board is. How does he even begin to know what our draft board is? I don't know which draft board he knows, but he doesn't know ours. And look, it's not a full-blown like WWE-style feud yet, but I kind of like where this is going. I, I like a little war of words. I like a little over the top. I li- I, I want to stir it up. I, yeah. I Come on. Let's see what Dave Gettleman has to say in response to Bruce Allen. I mean, he's been talking to the media 50 times this week. Let's have 51. Come out and say what you have to say about Bruce Allen, and maybe we can maybe we can can make this nice and spicy and interesting as the season approaches. I, I always like a good rivalry, too. I don't think there's enough personal rivalries in the NFL anymore as, as compared to the old days of the 80s and early 90s when, you know, of course, players and, and organizations, there wasn't free agency in the salary cap, so people stayed with the organization for a long period of time, and the rivalries were great during that time period, at least in my opinion, because it was personal. You know, it really was. You, you got to see the same guy who beat you, you know, the last three years. It's year four and gosh, we got to play this guy again. I'm sick of losing to him. Uh, so I'm always for that. Adds a little juice, a little spiciness, like you said. But the big thing is, and I said this a little bit when we did the TV show, it's really where Gettleman got himself in trouble with his, with his phrasing here. You know, don't say you know for a fact, okay? Come on, we know you don't know for a fact. That's where he really messed up and opened up a can of worms here. You know, opens up a can of worms for, one, people like you and me and other media members to go, oh, wait, you know for a fact? All right, let me call every team between 7 and 16 in the NFL draft between the Giants having their two picks, and let's see if they actually were going to take a Daniel Jones. So everyone does that. You know, when you say for a fact, you leave yourself open for Bruce Allen to take a shot you know, across the bow like he did there. So that's really the big thing where Gettleman got himself in trouble. Don't say that. You would have, he would have been perfectly fine if he just said, you know, hey, we were really scared. There was a few teams that liked quarterbacks, and we just didn't know who they wanted, and we knew Jones was our guy, and we were scared that he was at the top of the board from one of those other teams. If he just said that, it would have been all done. Everybody would have accepted it, and we still wouldn't be talking about it here three days later. I think he used for a fact to slam the door on the discussion because if you peel the onion enough, you eventually get to the point where people realize it's your own damn fault. You couldn't take him at 17. If you shut your mouth, maybe you keep him. Now, let me flip this around, though, because even though from time to time we say the Giants have a little bit of an attitude, maybe there's a little arrogance there, they're not sufficiently arrogant to think they were the only team that loved Daniel Jones, right? Right. And, and maybe another team out there is keeping their mouth shut. Nobody knew the Jaguars wanted Blake Bortles when they drafted him. So th- that's where you needed to be concerned, that you're going to get jumped or that there really is somebody. Because they're not going to tell you after the fact that they wanted the guy. They're going to say they got the guy they wanted because there's nothing good that comes from saying there was someone else they wanted more than the guy they got. But because the Giants felt compelled, Chris, and you were all over this, they felt compelled to make everyone think that this was coming so they they wouldn't get killed even worse than they did. Get everyone comfortable with the idea that Daniel Jones is going to be the pick. Then you have to take him at six. You can't wait until 17 or you are going to lose him. That's the truth. 
there's no way Dave Gettleman can say that. Yeah, no, you're right. Uh, yeah, yes, I mean, you know, I guess they made a decision at some point in the last few weeks that that was their guy and that's what they wanted. And it seemed like they were intent on trying to sell that on the fan base. And again, I'm not going to get mad at them for taking the guy they wanted at number six. Whether I think he's worth it or not, I don't know. You know, I mean, it doesn't matter what I think. Um, but hey, obviously, he was scared of the Washington Redskins a little bit. And we've heard rumors that Daniel Jones was very high on their board. I mean, in fact, we're hearing rumors rumors that really the coaching staff, it sounded like, wanted Daniel Jones, and there was just a few other people in higher up positions that wanted Dwayne Haskins. That's a rumor that is out there in NFLville. I'm sure Dave Gettleman heard the same thing, too. I'm sure he was also a little concerned about Denver at 10, just going, I don't know exactly who John Elway has at the top. You know, maybe he got caught when the Daniel Jones was towards the top of their board as well. So I get his thought processes on this whole thing. He's just kind of talked himself into a, a few corners here to get himself in trouble. And it's easy to justify taking the guy at six. If he's your guy, just take him at six. Don't spend that hour and a half of your life worrying that he's not going to be there and then yep. he's gone and then that's you're right. screwed. If he's your guy, go get him. That Maybe that's the better explanation. Forget about waiting. He's our guy. Yeah, that's right. right. I don't want to wait 11 spots mm -hmm. and lose our guy. I don't know who's going to take him. He's our guy. And he's our guy at six. He's our guy at 17. He's our guy at one if we'd have had the first overall pick. That's what you have to say. So yep. I don't know. I just, Gettleman's got himself twisted up like a pretzel with all the media appearances he's done. Uh, I have a feeling he won't be doing this show, but that's okay. <laughs> we, we, we'll, we'll get by. Another guy who won't be doing this show is Bruce Allen. We, I think we gave up trying to get him on the program, but uh, yeah, I don't know what his deal is. I don't know. You know You've I been guess mean to Bruce? You've been mean to him? No, I haven't been. No, let me just let me peel back the curtain here. Yeah. Since we're not on the air, I can tell this little story. I don't think they like the fact that I won't say their name. And I know oh. you will, and you, you, can, you can say it if you want. They don't like the fact that I won't say their name. And I won't say their name out of respect to the percentage, and there is a real percentage, a concrete percentage of Native Americans who are genuinely offended yeah. by the use of that term. Right. And to me, that's enough to not say it. And, and it's not like I'm going to pick it outside of FedEx field. I'm not writing a column every day saying they should get rid of their name. I just choose not to use it. Right. And it drives people crazy. How dare you not use it? It's the name of the team. Well, what, well so what? If there's somebody whose name I don't like, or if I can't pronounce their name, I'm not going to use it. I mean, I still acknowledge that the person exists. I just choose not to use the name. And I have a reason for it. I'm not being mean. I'm not being vindictive. I'm being fair to the people who are actually offended. There are people, you know, even if the Washington Post poll that they did a few years ago that ended the debate, at least for now, that only 10% of Native Americans were offended by the term. That's enough for me. It is. <laughs> One out of 10 yeah. is enough. So it should be zero out of 10. Uh, you know, it's just like, hey, if you're comfortable having a team that, that, that has a name that offends people, that's fine. It doesn't offend enough to change it. That's fine. It still offends some. So I don't use it. So anyway, long story bearable. No, that's That's right. why Bruce Allen won't do the show. I, that's I, why we won't get Jay Gruden. That's why we won't get Daniel Snyder. That's why, you know, and that's fine. I'm, I'll gladly make that sacrifice in order to properly respect the 10% or however many of the Native Americans that find that term offensive. I shouldn't say it either. I, I, I did get disappointed in myself Do if sometimes. You want, if you want to. I look, know. I'm not telling you not to. No, but I, 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 don't, I, I don't believe in it either. You're right. I mean, I wouldn't certainly go up to a Native American and call them that name and go, hey, you, 
you know, hey, you're redskin like that. No, that's offensive. I, that's that's I'm not going to do that. That makes no sense. At the baseline, that's where the issue is. You're not going to do that. So then you shouldn't say the name. I need to be better at that. And really, the Washington franchise needs to figure out another name. They need to figure out and talk to the Native Americans, something that they feel is more respectful to what they are, what they did, how they contributed to this country, and move on with it. Because I, I am with you. The name is, uh, it's mean. It, it, it it doesn't make sense. I think I think I've stirred up Captain Planet. Yes, you I have. This could this could get interesting. Yeah, yes, right. I have to tune in to the next Chris Sims on Button. I have a feeling <laughs> a rant is coming. All right, but anyway, uh, Bruce Allen appearing somewhere other than with any of the NBC Sports properties was speaking about Dwayne Haskins and the environment that they have there. And he said something that I hadn't thought about. Here's his quote: "We think we have the perfect environment to nurture a young quarterback. And don't forget, the secret ingredient maybe for Patrick Mahomes was Alex Smith." We're pleased to have Alex and this group to help mentor a quarterback. Now, the secret ingredient for Patrick Mahomes is he's freaking awesome. Right. He's got he's good. He's great at throwing a football from any angle, any body position, any place on the field, whether his feet are on the ground or not on the ground, or it's the right foot, the left foot, whichever foot. But having Alex Smith, we hear that time and again. What Alex Smith did for Patrick Mahomes, and you know, in my mind, Alex Smith can't play. He's not part of the factor, not part of the equation, not part of the team. Maybe he's going to be around. Maybe he's going to be an extension to the coaching staff. They're paying him enough money. Yeah. And and maybe he becomes the mentor for Dwayne Haskins that he was for Patrick Mahomes. And if he does it enough, he's going to end up being an NFL head coach. Yeah. No, the first thing I questioned is what you said right off the bat there. I just went, ooh, okay, wait. All right, so Alex Smith, you know, doesn't seem like he's going to play. Doesn't seem like there's any way he's uh, on the roster this year going to contribute to the team. Wow, is he going to be around a lot, you know, even though he's not going to play? So that's what I do want to see. Uh, and that would be a great benefit to Dwayne Haskins regardless. I mean, Alex Smith they don't they don't come any nicer as a as a man than than Alex Smith and yeah we've heard all the stories about what he did for Patrick Mahomes and I'm sure he'll lend the same helping hand if not more for somebody like Dwayne Haskins because he realizes he's at the very end of his career and it might be all over and it's definitely Dwayne Haskins job where you know in Kansas City I think he thought man if I keep playing well I might be able to fend off this Mahomes guy for one more year or whatever it may be um, but it's a great spot for Dwayne Haskins not only uh, good offensive line got a few talented receivers. Jay Gruden's a quarterback-friendly head coach, uh, but there's no immediate pressure on him to perform. They do got Case Keenum. They got Colt McCoy. And as I've said, I think I said early in the week, you know, the other thing that's perfect about Dwayne Haskins in this scenario is, you know, again, Keenum, Colt McCoy, hey, they're guys that deserve to be in the starting quarterback conversation in the NFL. But Dwayne Haskins is going to get on the field next to those guys, and they're all the, the team is going to notice a difference right away. They're going to go, damn, this kid's a giant, first of all. They're going to look at the size of this kid. And then when they see the ball pop out of his hands the first few times, that's when they're going to go, whoa, okay, that's a different speed than Case Keenum or Colt McCoy are throwing. And from that point on, he's going to get a chance to be looked at as the guy because they're going to go, whoa, there's some special attributes about him physically and then hopefully all the mental stuff can come on uh, as we go behind the scenes. All right, we need to address one other topic that relates to an issue unrelated to the actual draft picks and looking forward to 2019. It's the Tyree Kill situation. And I've been trying not to bang the drum absent developments, but there was a development because Tyron Matthew, who's now a member of the Chiefs. You okay, you're going to make me, it? He, all right. I'm fine. I can make it. Yeah, I'm good. It's one of the benefits of not being on the air. I can cough all I want. But anyway... Tyron Matthew was on SB Nation Radio overnight, 
And, and as far as I can tell, he's the first member of the Chiefs to address the Tyreek Hill situation. And my guess is he is the first because if someone had done it and defended Tyreek Hill, we would have known about it. If someone had done it and ripped Tyreek Hill, we would have known about it. Here's what Tyron Matthews said. It's an unfortunate situation. I haven't been his teammate much, just basically two or three weeks, so it's not really fair for me to comment on his character. I don't think I really know him, but like I said, with everything that's out right now and obviously the audio, it's very disappointing. Not only from a teammate standpoint, but I'm a father as well. It's very disappointing. And, you know, that leads back to something you and I texted about when the audio first came out. If and when he's back in an NFL locker room, and he may never be with the Chiefs or anyone else, when you walk back into an NFL locker room after all this stuff that's coming out, what kind of a problem are you going to face with the other men in that locker room who would never treat a child the way that Tyree Kill allegedly treated his son, speak to someone the way that Tyree Kill spoke to Christopher? Crystal Espinal, when he said, you need to be terrified of me too, bitch. Um, what kind of problem do you think he'll have when it's time to show up if he ever shows up again? Uh, I think he's going to get the cold shoulder from a lot of people in that locker room when he does go back in. Uh, he really will. You know, that, I know that was one of the things I texted you. You know, hey, domestic disturbance, things like that. You know, uh, when there's love involved and those type of emotions, people can understand that at times. As long as you don't go too far. Okay, yeah, I mean, sometimes emotions get hot with love and two people who are passionate about each other to where, yeah, even in a locker room with incidents like that, people are going to look at the corner of their eye. They might judge you a little more harshly, make you prove to them they're a good guy. But I think guys can get over that. But when you start to have multiple incidents, incidents, and then it goes from, okay, we had an incident before college that was certainly suspect. Uh, and now, whoa, we got one with a three-year-old little boy. You're going to be looked at as a coward in the NFL locker room. That's all there is to it. You're going to have a hard time uh, finding guys that are going to respect you and want to look in the eye and talk to you. I think for the most part, people will ignore Tyreek Hill because they're going to look at him and go, no, he's a piece of crap, for lack of a better phrase. That's really what they're going to look. That's how I would look at him. Uh, and, and I think ultimately, yes, it's, it's not going to be this year. Tyreek Hill will be on the field, and it's going to be interesting to see whether he ever gets on the field ever again in the NFL, but uh, not a good look and really just horrible, horrible father by, by Tyreek Hill. And the Chiefs took their action on Thursday night. He's essentially suspended from the team indefinitely. The NFL still has not even acknowledged what happened on Thursday. On Wednesday of last week, when the prosecutor in Johnson County, Kansas, said that he believes a crime was committed against Tyreek Hill's three-year-old son, but there isn't enough evidence to convincingly prove who did it. The NFL at least responded to an email from me saying, we have no comment, we declined comment, whatever. In the aftermath of that audio coming out, the NFL has said nothing. It's been crickets. It's been ghosts. And there's an expectation they're going to put them on the commissioner exempt list this week. Well, if you're going to do it, do it. Right? Here we are. It's Wednesday. And, and, and I think it's becoming more conspicuous as the week unfolds that the NFL hasn't done anything about this. And, you know, I, I, I think that they need to just so everyone understands that there are situations where the NFL will step in and will take action, even if he's not suspended yet, and even if there's a process that needs to play out. The, the NFL can't be silent about this. It's too disturbing. It's too troubling. The fact that the NFL has said nothing when the Chiefs have taken the action they've taken, I, I think I, I think it's, I, I hate to use the word ridiculous because I think that word gets overused, but it's bordering on the ridiculous that the NFL will not even say anything about something that has been such a big deal and is such a grave and important topic. Yeah, I, I don't get that either. I know it's a sensitive topic. They want to get their information, but 
Yeah, you'd like a, an organization like the NFL, as powerful as they are, important as they are to our society. When something like this happens, you know, you look for leadership from great organizations like this to make a proper statement and show us what should be done properly as we go on. And yeah, sometimes that seems to lack as far as uh, the NFL is concerned. And of all these situations, look, the ones who can't protect themselves at all, the children, a three-year-old child, what can, what can he do to defend himself? What can he do to seek justice for himself? What can he do to ensure that the right thing is done by him moving forward and ensure that his interests are protected? And I mean, the best news out of all this is, and it was reiterated multiple times last week by the prosecutor, the child is safe. The child's in a safe and loving environment. That's good. But still, to have gone through what he went through without any type of retribution, any type of justice, hopefully that will come. But uh, hopefully the NFL won't stay silent on this uh, for very long. We're going to fall silent until tomorrow, although Chris Sims Unbuttoned coming up later today. PFTPM coming up later today as well. We'll be back here again tomorrow. Chris, great job as always. Well, not always, but great job as always. Thank you, Mike. You're the man. And we'll, we'll see you tomorrow. Everybody have a great day. See ya. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 